This is the Bouquet Toss Podcast, brought to you by the Budget Savvy Bride. We're here to help you figure out what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. Join founder Jessica Bishop and editor Sari Wienerman as we unpack wedding trends and traditions to help you plan a wedding that feels authentic to you. So before you get cold feet, let's dive right in. With everything going on in the world right now, it's been a very challenging time, one that has caused a lot of stress and anxiety for us all. That being said, how lucky are we to get to make the choice to get married, plan a wedding, and celebrate our love? Every three seconds, a young girl doesn't get that choice and becomes a bride against her will. The International Day of the Girl campaign was created to help end that terrifying statistic, and we're helping raise awareness about this incredibly important cause. With us today is Clay Dunn, CEO of Vow for Girls. Clay Dunn joined Vow for Girls in 2019 as the organization's first chief executive officer. Prior to Vow, Clay spent nearly a decade at Share Our Strength, where he was part of the founding team for the No Kid Hungry campaign, which has raised more than half a billion dollars to end childhood hunger. Clay held roles with National Geographic, consulted with Walt Disney Pictures and Sony Pictures Entertainment, and served as Urban Fellow with the City of New York. Thanks so much for being here, Clay, and for the amazing work you're doing leading Vow for Girls. Thanks so much for having me. It's really an honor to be here and to talk about this work with you. It's an honor for us to have you, and we really want to just truly pass the mic over to you to give us all the information that we really should know about such an important movement. So to start off, tell us how Vow for Girls came to be and share a little bit more about the change that you're seeking to make. Gladly. So Vow is the brainchild of this incredible woman named Mabel Von Orange. She is a global human rights activist and for more than a decade had really focused on what she saw as a really critical but often overlooked issue facing young women all around the world, and that's the issue of child marriage. So as you said in the opening remarks, like child marriage is a really big issue. 12 million girls every single year all around the world, and we can talk a little bit about that more in a moment, but you know, it's something that's impacting so many girls. Mabel truly believed like not enough time, attention, and resources going to supporting girls and helping them avoid early marriage. And so Mabel got invited to a friend's wedding. It's all, all starts with weddings with us. And her friends invited their guests to, instead of giving gifts, to make a charitable donation to this organization that Mabel is really involved with that does work around child marriage. But that organization actually wasn't set up to take that kind of giving from individuals. They did a different kind of fundraising. And in that moment, looking around at her friend's generosity and thinking about all the money that gets spent around weddings, Mabel thought, what if we could create a moment of philanthropy that's around celebrations of love, including weddings? You know, she thought in that moment, like weddings are a big business. A lot of people get invited to weddings. Everyone knows someone who's getting married or has gotten married recently. What if this is an opportunity to really help support those 12 million girls every year to have a different future? 
And so that was her big idea. She went to Darren Walker. He's the head of the Ford Foundation, one of the most respected people in philanthropy. And he signed on as a co-founder. Together, they launched Val for Girls, which I am so happy to have joined their team and helping to lead and build the organization. You know, the change that we're really looking to see, our big vision is really simple. It's a world in which no child is ever a bride. There are so many reasons why, and we can talk around that, but that's like the really... The core thing, no child is ever a bride. And so that's what we're doing. We're building this global community of people who are supporting every girl to live a life that she loves and a life that she's choosing. It's incredible what you're doing. And we're so glad to help raise awareness about what you guys are doing. 12 million worldwide, that's like a staggering number. And just for some context, there are on average 2 million weddings in America alone every year. And those are obviously all consenting adults. So just to think of the magnitude of that is wild to me. Actually, I will blow your mind a little bit here. So child marriage actually does happen in the U.S. as well. It's legal in 44 states currently. It happens at a much reduced rate than what we see in a lot of other places around the world. But it's easy to think about child marriage as a far away problem. But in fact, like it even happens here in our own backyard. And there, you know, there's a great sort of coalition of organizations that are going state by state, helping to change the laws and working with legislators. Uh, they've just passed a law in New York to make child marriage illegal. But yeah, it's, it blew my mind. I'm sure it's surprising to you too. Uh, yeah, my head is exploding right now. And I'm horrified that that's even a possibility in, in this day and age. Yeah, I know. Like, Unfortunately, you know, so much of this comes down to gender inequality, right? And to the unfortunate fact that in so many places, like boys' lives are valued at more than girls' lives. That's what we're looking to change, right? A world in which we see the potential and the possibility in every girl and that we're supporting her to be able to meet that potential. And uh, it's what gives me and our team like so much urgency in this movement that we're building bringing people together powerfully in order to support girls in new ways. I think it's really important to make that distinction that the gender inequality is a big driver for this, very specifically because I think that in recent times, like the March for Women and things like that, it united everybody, right? And it became really easy for women to hop onto that because they were like, oh yeah, I've seen examples of this in my workplace. I've seen examples of sexual harassment and things like that. But what we haven't really opened up to, I mean, the fact that we aren't even cognizant of the numbers of child marriage happening in our own country. For so many women who have identified with this push for women's equality, this is a huge part of that that cannot be ignored. And, you know, if you are showing up for those marches, you're, you know, doing all of that in support of women, that's fantastic. But this is a huge part that needs to be included in that fight. Yeah, I I really appreciate that. For sure. For sure. And I would love to have you talk a little bit more if you could on what are the sort of I'm labeling it sort of as traditions, right? There's culturally things, maybe religious things that have made it so that children are being married at such a young age. And something we talk about on this podcast is wedding traditions that started out pretty problematic and you find most of them actually did. 
you know, marriage by capture was kind of the reason that a lot of these things happened. And luckily for many of us, those traditions have shifted. But what are those things that are still kind of driving the changes that haven't been made and that are subjecting young girls to this sort of life? Yeah, definitely. It's a really good question. So for a little context about the that sort of 12 million marriages a year and how and where and why, it's truly a global problem. So it's happening across countries, across cultures, across religions. What's causing a lot of child marriages in one place might be different than in another. So poverty is a really big driver, right? Like families who are worried about not being able to feed their kids and they start looking at solutions for that and thinking about how can they make sure that people are being provided for. Some of it is cultural, no doubt. It's the, well, this is the way we've always done it. Like we've always decided when this person is four years old that they're going to marry this person. So we see that sort of thing. Some of it is tied to religion, though, you know, I think religious leaders are more and more advocates for this work that we're doing. And as they and other leaders see the value of girls being more educated, being uh, long-term healthier because they've delayed the age of marriage and don't do things like go through early childbirth, lots of things like that, you know, and then tying all these things together, I think is that notion of gender inequality that for some reason, someone thinks it's okay to make this decision that is for a person's like rest of their life. And that sort of larger cultural shift is something that we're looking to change. I would love for you to talk more about the repercussions that these girls face because of this childhood marriage, right? So everything from education to well-being, everything is affected. And so could you talk a little bit more about all of that? Definitely. I mean, I think there are three three big ones that we think about a lot and that we see over and over come up in our work from around the world. And as we're working with community groups, which we can talk about, and girls themselves, like three sort of longer term effects, definitely education, right? Early marriage often means that a girl is pulled out of school. That's why so much of our work is about helping keep girls in school, because you're showing that if you can keep girls in an educational setting, and they are allowed to learn and continue to grow in that context, it delays the age of marriage and just equips them more broadly for negotiating for their own futures, if you will. Two, there are a lot of studies that point to the long-term health benefits of, because uh, typically if a girl is married young, it also means that she's giving birth much earlier than she otherwise would, which has sort of longer-term implications for her own health. Uh, and then I think the economic empowerment angle is a third. So much of our work is about helping girls learn skills that they can use to make money, to establish a career for themselves. That's something a lot of our grantees are doing. And it also helps sort of buck this notion with their families that this person isn't producing any income. We're giving girls sort of viable skills that they can use to have jobs, to make some money so that they're not dependent upon someone else wholly. And so we see like they're over time, if you delay the age of marriage, that they're more financially secure for the long term. And then I think the fourth element that I point to is one of personal safety that unfortunately, like a lot of girls around the world who enter early marriages are much more subjected to the notion of physical violence in the home. And there are lots of studies pointing to that. So it's another benefit of preventing child marriage means that a girl's like own personal safety is higher throughout her life. Wow. There's just so much 
at play here for these girls. And, you know, I think it's something we take so much for granted and the freedoms that we have. And, you know, one thing that I think about a lot with all of our listeners who are mostly brides who are currently planning their weddings, we are so privileged. We are able to choose who we marry, when we marry, to marry for love at all and not because we're forced into it and especially at a young and like formative age. So this is has been really eye-opening for me, especially knowing how much it's happening even in our own backyard, as you said, makes me feel even more passionate about doing what we can to, to help this cause. So in terms of like what you guys are able to do with the funds that are raised, can you talk a little bit about how donations are used and what sort of impact they're making on these young girls? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to. I, I think you're so right. There's such a natural connection for us. And I think this is Mabel's big like insight. As people are celebrating, you know, choosing the person that they love, helping to make the space for other girls to be able to make that same choice, right? To be able to choose love on their own terms, I think is such a powerful notion. So the money that Val raises, we're doing something really interesting and really unique, which is that, first of all, thanks to generous donors who are taking care of our costs, like 100% of everything we raise with couples, with brands, with individuals, goes directly to support girls. And, but what's really interesting about that is that our model is focused on creating funding for what is a sort of overlooked piece of ending child marriage, which is that we're, we're funding truly grassroots, like community-based efforts that are working directly in the lives of girls. So I am in no position to tell one of our grantees who's in Uganda, what they should be doing to help girls in their community. Like instead we go into communities with a high rate of child marriage. We tell them that we're making funding available and groups come forward to say, this is what I would do to support girls. And because of that, we have this really amazing, really diverse group of grantees, almost all women led who are working directly with girls. So far we've been able to fund 175 of these organizations in six countries with really high rates of child marriage. And these women who are running these organizations are doing great things. They're, they're helping girls stay in school by doing things like providing scholarships so they can pay for their secondary or high school fees. They're doing those like job training and skills so that girls are learning how to use computers or they're learning a marketable skill that they can use to transition into a career for themselves. A lot of it's based around health, making sure that girls have access to health, have access to contraceptives, all those kinds of things. And then there's a lot of sort of leadership and empowerment, like our grantees, like forming these sort of cohorts of girls that help them build an understanding of their own rights, what to do if they feel like that they're at risk of early marriage, how they can seek support from one another. Also just like building this notion of you can make choices about your own life, right? And uh, you're in a position to do that. So, you know, I'm really proud of the work that we're funding. I think it's really interesting. It's really unique. And, you know, the more funds that we raise over time, it just means more grantees in more places reaching more girls. And that's something that I'm really excited about. I love the way that you described that it's not a matter of getting money like to these organizations just to say that, you know, they're supporting the bigger things, empowering these girls themselves. And that's really a personal thing that 
all of us should really think about all the listeners listening to this even to talk about with your bridesmaids or your family or anyone like that, because this issue is not just like a really sad, terrifying thing. It's affecting everyday lives of women everywhere. And so being able to really focus on how you can help empower someone's actual life right now, that is huge. And so I would love for you to talk about Specifically, this year's campaign is called Stop the Clock. Can you just give us a little bit more context around that? Yeah, so International Day of the Girl happens on October 11. And in the week leading up to that, October 4 through 11, we're running what we call our Stop the Clock campaign. So it's a nod to the notion that every three seconds, a girl becomes a bride somewhere around the world. And we're rallying our community to raise awareness and raise funds around International Day of the Girl in order to stop the clock, in order to be able to support more girls and, you know, For us, at least, it's a really great opportunity to activate our entire community, whether it's brides and grooms who are are planning to get married, it's wedding professionals that we work with. We're lucky to work with wedding professionals in 15 countries around the world uh, who are supporting us. Brands that we work with, we get to work with like The Knot, uh, Peninsula Hotels, uh, lots of other brands. And also just sort of like everyday supporters and advocates and celebrity supporters who have come in together. And what we're doing in that week leading up to International Day of the Girl is really calling on people to use their social media channels, their voices to raise awareness of this issue and say, you know, I'm supporting girls to choose love on their own terms. We have a really easy set of assets that people can use and they can follow us at Val for Girls on any social platform and see how to participate in the campaign. I also think the good news about our campaign is that thanks to generous partners who are joining in the campaign that day, each like, share, or comment will trigger a dollar donation up to $100,000 for the campaign, which is also really exciting. So we hope to see a whole lot of sort of enthusiasm and it's a big opportunity to bring new people into this work as well. I love that. Thank you so much for giving that detailed information. We'll have all of that linked in the show notes. But basically, as Clay is saying, like the the smallest thing you could do, right, is to share or comment on one of these already produced assets. However, we would also love to encourage the women and men and everybody in our community to go a little bit further if that's something available to them. And so we have a fundraising page set up with Vow for Girls. Again, that will be linked in the show notes as well as on our blog, email blast, social, everything. We're pushing this out everywhere that we can. So please take a look at our specific fundraising page. Something that a lot of people could consider is adding Vow for Girls to their own wedding registry eventually. So when you are getting those cash gifts from people, this is an amazing opportunity. You know, a lot of times people are looking for charities that they can add to, remembering they don't need a fourth stand mixer. You could put that funds towards something like this. So we really encourage everybody to consider that as well. 
Yeah, if I could, I'll add there that uh, there are lots of ways that couples are bringing us into their celebrations. So there is definitely the option for adding donations to vow to your registry as an item or creating your own fundraising page with us. We do great sort of customized fundraising pages for your own experience and your own messaging that you can invite your friends and family to donate to. You can also start a registry that benefits us. You can do that on the knot and some other platforms where up to 3% of everything that's purchased automatically benefits Val, which is a great and easy program. And you're, you're getting your gifts, but you're also doing good at the same time. Some other couples are doing something really interesting recently, which is like we've had several brides coming to us and saying like, I'm having the shower. I'm already getting all the things I want on my wedding registry. Like I want to turn my shower into a fundraiser and like still like have the social aspect, but like, I don't need that gift opening. We're getting all these gifts from the regular <laughs> registry. And so that's been something new that that's coming forward. And then, you know, beyond that, we love creativity and we love people being entrepreneurial about how to, how to include us. And some people are doing things like, you know, instead of doing favors, they're making a donation in honor of guests or, uh, you know, we're kind of up for anything and everything, trying it about how we might integrate into weddings in interesting and fun ways. And so, you know, the sky's the limit there. Amazing. I love that there are so many different ways that our listeners can get involved. We're super proud to be a part of this campaign and to be spreading awareness on all of our various platforms. And I personally hope that we see members of our community donating to the cause as well. We really, really appreciate you being here and sharing all of this info with, with our listeners. Thanks. You know, it's really an honor to be here and, and to be speaking with you and speaking about child marriage. Like I recognize it can be something that feels really sad. Right. But I think that there's like so much potential and so much hope in this work that we want to be able to support girls and to unleash their potential. And I think we have a proven model of how we're doing that and girls that like need support. And there's so much to celebrate in that, celebrating the, that potential and in every single girl. And I really appreciate you spending a few minutes with me. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things for me is just opening up that opportunity for girls to have agency over their own life. I mean, even here in the States with recent legislations in Texas and everything else, this is such an important thing. That's a big part of life for half of the population and anything that we can do to help empower the next generation of girls to be able to make their own life decisions is such a worthy like investment of time and energy and resources. Yeah. I mean, I think you're so right too. Like, I think we can all think about people in our lives who supported us and encouraged us. Right. I think for me, like I grew up in this like really tiny town in Kentucky, like a really poor place. You know, I was like a closeted kid, like living on a farm and like knew that I wanted a different life. Right. And like, for me, like education was a pathway to that other life. It's the exact same thing for these girls that we're talking about. Right. They have things that they want. If they're able to learn skills, if they're able to continue their education, like it gives them a pathway to that life too. And that's, I think that's something we can all identify with. That was so beautifully said. Thank you so much, Clay. If you can just one more time, give us the roundup of everywhere that people can find Vow for Girls, that would be perfect. Yeah, that'd be great. So we're easy to find online because everywhere we are Vow for Girls. So uh, on, online at the website, it's vowforgirls.org. Uh, and then across all social media channels, we're Vow for Girls, all one word, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you can find us all those places. 
Amazing. Thank you so much, Clay, for so generously speaking about all of the amazing work that you're doing and for helping us to also raise awareness to this really important issue. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Bouquet Toss, the podcast dedicated to uncovering where wedding trends and traditions come from so that you can plan your wedding your way. We're continuing the discussion in our private community. Join our supportive group of brides-to-be by heading to thebudgetsavvybride.com slash community. Now it's your turn to catch the bouquet as we toss it over to you to rate and review on your favorite podcast app. As always, stay true to you, and we look forward to chatting again soon.